0: Some years ago, I had a very unique opportunity. It was uh, 2004 into 2005. It happened that, uh, you may remember the the tsunami that uh, went across Indonesia and swept through and 190,000 people uh, were swept out to sea and died and and the families that were left behind. And I've I've shared little bits and stories along the way about that. uh, But I want to show you a few pictures of that experience because I went with a ministry organization called Most Ministries, Mission Opportunity Short Term is what that stands for, and we went to share eyeglasses, and thousands of pairs of eyeglasses, and every site we went to in Sri Lanka, where thousands and thousands of people had died and these family members that were grieving, we went to share the gift of sight with these families, and this was the first site that we had had stopped at early in the trip. And that day when we got to the clinic at around 8.30, we learned that people had been lining up since 4 a.m. to wait for eyeglasses. Because as we learned there, a pair of eyeglasses would cost close to three months' salary. And so no one had just a simple thing we maybe take for granted, the opportunity to see or read. And these people just overwhelming. I remember just getting there and and, and just immediately being emotionally just overwhelmed by the sight of these people who, for a pair of glasses, were willing to wait for hours and hours. In fact, the line would often last eight, sometimes nine hours through the course of the day. Um, But while we were there, um, they would then go inside and, and one by one, um, we were trained to test them for their, their eyesight. Now, we had some trained nurses, as, as she was, and, and was looking for glau- glaucoma and, and testing for some other conditions. Uh, but just that, that, that prayer along the way, that as we were there, uh, not only would they be blessed with eyeglasses, but more importantly, that they would have an opportunity to see Jesus, was our prayer, uh, that God would open the eyes of their hearts, uh, to faith in Christ. As many of them were Buddhist or Hindu and, and coming from a very different belief system than us, the opportunity to be there with the compassion of Jesus was such a, such an honor to be in that holy ground. Uh, they, they trained me to uh, uh, teach people and be able to test with the different lenses and you might say, what do you know about that? I knew nothing until the, the two-hour training that, that equipped me for this and and what an experience as, as we're having them read in their own language. And, and what was neat about it is they were reading God's word in their own language. And, and that's how we would test them. One thing we learned in Sri Lanka is if, if you ask them a question and they go like this, that doesn't mean no, that means yes. Uh, the bobblehead, we called that, the Sri Lanka bobblehead. And, and that always meant, and it took us like four days to learn that. And we're like, oh no, how many people did we give the wrong glasses? Because they, they said that. But, um, but one of them, and, and it was so neat when you'd give them their glasses after they were tested and, and the smiles that would erupt on the children's and the people's faces. This was a really big deal. And their last station after they would receive their glasses, they would stop outside. And that's where I worked most of the time was we'd give them a Bible in the Tamil language that most of them spoke and... and uh, but then we'd, we'd share that with them why we really were there. And it wasn't for the glasses, it was to share Christ. And uh, we'd, we'd get an opportunity to explain what that meant. Uh, a God who loves them uh, and, and has come to be their Savior. Um, this woman here, she had quite a story. You see her starting to smile. She is reading for the first time since she was 13 years of age. See, uh, when... I'm I, sorry, I actually it was much earlier than that. She, if I remember her story right, she had the measles and it was when she was a young child and, and the measles got into her face and into her eyes and her eyes were damaged in the process and, and for years all she could see was a blur and What was amazing is we put glasses on her and for the first time in years she was able to see and her family, they were there and as she's beaming and smiling and they're telling us this is a really, really big day. This changes life as we know it and one of the things we learned while we were there is that any kind of condition, something like measles or somebody who had an ailment or a disease or a sickness or whether they were born with it or not, that they were considered to be deserving of their condition, that they had clearly done something wrong in the sight of God and God was paying them back or something that their distant relatives or generations had done. Or maybe they were being reincarnated in a condition because of what they had done in a former life. And one of the things we realize very quickly there is a culture that lacks compassion For those who have ailments. Not unlike what we see in our gospel reading today. Disciples are walking with Jesus and they see this man who is begging along the way. And this man clearly was very well known. He, as it was known, was a man that had been born blind. Can you imagine being blind? I remember losing hearing in one ear for about three days and I, I, I couldn't handle it. I, I can't imagine not being able to see. And I suppose you could make the argument, well, the man didn't know any different because he'd always been that way. But to be around family and friends who would explain to him the things they were seeing and to be able to feel the sunshine but never see it, to hear loved ones but never be able to see their face. To be able to experience life without sight, what would that have been like? And this man left to beg, and yet as it was understood even in that culture, even among the Jewish people, this man most likely was getting what he deserved. It's found in the question the disciples asked Jesus. They they say, did this man sin or did his parents sin that he was born blind? Now, interesting question, and in fact, if you get into some of the, the rabbinic teachings that, that were developed throughout, they, they taught that, that truly that the sin of our, our parents would then be visited on the children, like there's one uh, teaching on this that if a, if a pregnant mom would enter into, say, a pagan temple, that it would be very likely then that that child would develop some disability as a result of that, and, and so this was part of the teaching of the day, and... Um, And this is the context. Jesus is there with his disciples, and they ask, who sinned? And do you see what what Jesus' response is in the midst of it? He responds, he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, theological question, do you think Jesus is at this moment saying that they are sinless and without sin? What do you think? Well, of course not, right? I mean, Scripture speaks to this fact again and again that that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's not saying they're without sin, but what he's getting at is that it wasn't one specific thing that that his parents did or that he did that was the result that he was born blind. Uh, This is countercultural even at this point for Jesus to say this because he goes on and he says, here's why. Even read it with me if you got your bulletin out or have the Bible open. Said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Say that again. So that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is a, a really amazing moment. This is kind of this thing where you realize this man has been blind since birth and is born into this world. He can't see. And Jesus says, this has all happened for this very moment. Because the works of God are going to be shown through his life. Makes me wonder, what can God do through things that we consider a struggle or a pain or a setback? Or something that gets in the way of life that's normal or better or, or more release to who we want life to become. And Jesus says this has happened in his life so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then a few moments later, what does Jesus do? This is one of the most bizarre moments in the Gospels. We find out that Jesus spits. And, and maybe you've read that, and you just, oh, yeah, that happened. Think about it. Jesus spit, and, and, and he takes his spittle, and he makes mud. And I'm thinking the disciples have been with Jesus now at this point oh, for several to- for, you know for quite a while, and, and you know, expect anything from Jesus, but he spits, and he makes a little mud pie. They had to be wondering, what is he doing now? And, and, and to take his spit, and I'm, I'm thankful the man was blind, I mean, really, can you imagine being able to see this happening and then realize what he's putting on your face? Uh, did you, any of you grow up and, or as if you're a mom, did you ever do this where you use your spittle to clean off your child's face? And, and my mom, she used to, had this big purse and she'd always reach in there and every single one of her Kleenexes always, had always been previously used. And, and she would take these Kleenexes out if I had been eating and, and, and distinctly remember being damaged in my childhood by this. She would lick it and she would wipe off my face. And like, Mom! But guess what? It always worked. Always did. And Jesus uses his spittle and, and he puts it over the man's eyes, the mud that he forms. Now, um, you go back in, in history and, and one of the church fathers had, had written about this. And his, his thought on it was that what, what was going on here is this is a revisit uh, to Genesis where God forms the man out of dirt and that could it be that Jesus was making eyeballs as this man was born blind without eyes that Jesus was making eyes for him and uh, kind of a stretch devotionally it probably preaches well but most likely that's not what's going on here. Jesus simply covered the man's eyes much like a spa treatment, but this was going to bring about a miraculous result. Jesus then sends him away, and he says, "Go and wash in the pool of Siloam." And interestingly, John brings this detail up. He says, "Which means, what did it say? Sent." And and like anything in scripture, like, well, why is that there? And a lot of theologians. To simply say, John's pointing out the fact that here is the the word of God made flesh. Come among God's people. The one who is sent from the Father who comes near. And he sends this man born blind to go and wash. And by washing, his eyes are made to see again. And all the spiritual things of being then sent by God to proclaim his goodness and his love to the world. As this man becomes that agent of grace. But think about the connections with baptism, being washed and opening our eyes of faith that that we might see Jesus for who he is and what he has done. Uh, This beautiful word, sent. And so the man washed and he came home seeing. And then it happens. The Pharisees get word of this. And they're not happy. They're not happy because how dare this Jesus break the religious rules of the day? He's not following the order that we've set. He's crossing barriers. You don't make mud out of your spit on the Sabbath day, as everyone knows. (laughs) But he had done work, you see. And this does not sit well with them. It's one of many moments where Jesus breaks the religious rules of the day. He's radical. He's radical. Because he goes to be compassionate to people that had been written off in that culture. Who would waste their time loving a man born blind? After all, he's getting what he deserved as far as they were concerned. And yet our Savior not only spends time with that man, but he heals him with his presence in a miraculous way. And you see the progression in this man's life of not only having physical eyesight restored. But as God begins to open his heart to this miracle, he goes before the Pharisees, they question him, and, and, and they say, well, who, who is it that, that healed you? What do you think about him? And his response is, he's a prophet. Now, that's step one. He's convinced this man is, is sent by God. There's something special going on. But as we progress through John chapter 9, we see that he then later says he believes, or or they, they, he says, do you want to believe in him too? To the Pharisees, he challenges them in that. And, and they kick him out. They're like, how dare you teach us? You who are steeped in sin, get out. And he's thrown out of the synagogue. And that's when Jesus finds out what had happened. And he seeks out the man and, and goes and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, tell me who he is so that I might believe. And Jesus says, the one who's speaking to you. I'm He. It's interesting there. He doesn't even say, I'm the one who healed you. The man knows. After being blind, do you want to talk about perception of his ears? He knew his voice, he knew his presence. And it says, I believe. And he fell to his knees and he worshiped Jesus. What an amazing, amazing turn of events. The compassion of our Savior to one who's been written off. The love of God manifests in a Savior who comes near to heal. Maybe you come here today and you're longing for healing too. It could be something you were born with. It's maybe something you've struggled with your whole life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a battle with depression. Maybe it's the disease of worry that continues to plague your mind and your heart so that you continue to lose sleep night after night. Maybe your need for healing is in your family, maybe with a family member. Maybe it's a son or a daughter or a parent or a spouse. And that need for healing that you call out to God day after day, Lord, why don't you do something about this? And say, continue day after day to be in darkness, longing for something better. Maybe for you the illness is an illness. And the recent trip to the doctor or the one that's upcoming and waiting on test results or what might come back that you once battled in that fear of, Is God going to heal me? And Jesus says, But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed. Have you ever thought of that? A lot of times we chase ahead and we don't necessarily, maybe we might say, Lord, what have I done to deserve this? Or we might say it about someone else. Uh, We often don't say, well, what did they do to get that? No, we we say the opposite. Why do bad things happen to good people? And theologically, we got to pause and say, well, the result of brokenness and sin since the fall in this world is we are going to face hard things. It shouldn't surprise us when this happens, but we might ask the question, Lord, why not heal us then? But what if God's goal in this is that the works of God might be displayed? What if God is going to bring healing and that His glory and His grace and His love and His faithfulness might be shown to those around us. Maybe God's will is to truly heal you of cancer or your loved one. And and when those moments come, it is a a praise God kind of moment when when God gives that incredible diagnosis that you are in remission and and a family celebrates. And, And Jesus says this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. But sometimes that isn't the case, is it? Sometimes the illness or the sickness or the condition, it continues, it persists. And we can get bitter, we can get angry, we can push away from God and say, but I didn't think this is the way it was going to go. Or is it supposed to go like this? So that the works of God might be displayed in our lives. In about a week, I'm going, actually two weeks, is going to be the anniversary of my mom's homecoming. And I I think about this a lot. She continues to be part of my life, even though God took her home to heaven in 1991. That's a long time ago. The one who used to wipe my face with her spittle and yet continue to teach me about the love of Jesus, even through battles with cancer over five years, again and again and again, in the battles that she waged, in the ways that we prayed together that she would be healed. And one of the things she continued to teach us all was that healing can come this side of heaven when God brings us remission and good news from the doctor, but sometimes the greater healing comes when God calls us home to be with him in heaven. And either way, for the child of God, we experience healing and all by way of What Jesus says, so that the works of God might be displayed in our life. Because I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live by faith, in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The one who goes the way of suffering. The one that through that suffering is a God of compassion, not bitterness and anger. A God who goes the way of the cross in love. And that love would lead him there because he was thinking of you. And all that we would endure in this life, he knew our need for hope and our need for healing. And that the greater need for healing wasn't about the physical healing, it was about the spiritual healing. That our eyes, our spiritual eyes, would be open to realize our calling. So that the works of God might be displayed. You are that treasured one today. Take heart in Christ, we pray. Lord Jesus, open our eyes with the compassion and the grace you've come to bring for those among us today that are overwhelmed in their circumstance. Bring healing. And if it is, according to your will, bring that healing physically in ways that changes circumstances. But Lord, even greater than that and even more so, we pray that you would open our eyes in that miracle of faith to draw us ever closer to you, that you'd open our eyes to see you, Jesus, and that the more we see you through your word and your promises, Lord, that Jesus, you would be seen in our lives as a witness and a testimony that the works of God might be displayed, for we are your workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. We praise you for that and that recreation in your presence today as you live now and always. So we pray in Jesus. Amen. Amen.